Welcome back, everyone, to the Disruptive Doctrine podcast. I, I'm not going to lie. If I'm trying so hard to contain my excitement right now because I'm actually delivering on something that I said I was going to do. Um, like I said the last episode, I'm not going to tell you guys what we're going to talk about until day of because I say I'm going to talk about something and the Holy Spirit says, not nah, Yui. And then I look like I'm not keeping my words. So it's just going to be surprise. Here's what we're talking about today. But I did tell you guys that today we were going to be recording an episode with my twin brother, Mikey. Um, it is 10.54 at night. So uh, we're already with this like late night laughing thing that just happens when it's late and everything is just funnier. So we're going to try our best to be professional. I, if it was just me, it would be no issue, but my brother is a wild animal. So without further ado, I'm going to, I'm going to let him introduce himself. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks for having me. It was, it was so nice to know that when my brother thought of the name for this podcast, Disruptive Doctrine, uh, he based it off me because Oh, 100%. That's, that's pretty much all I do. I disrupt everything. I'm that guy that you can't bring to a funeral or like a serious thing because I'll probably end up saying something dumb and causing you to laugh. And now we're laughing at funerals. And um, enjoy the occasion when you die in the Lord. Yeah, but I always get invited to the ones that don't die in the Lord. <laughs> Invite someone to an interview. Like, yo, you got plans next week? Why not? I'm going to a funeral. An interview or a funeral? A funeral. You said someone invites you to an interview. Oh, I'm at a funeral. Like, that's because you need a job. You always invite me to funerals of people who didn't know Christ. They're like, yo, what you got next week? And uh, why? You trying to slide? Oh, my Um, goodness. Anyways, see, this is already trouble. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Guys, you understand? So this is actually going to be, it's it's a blessing and it's a challenge because, I mean, I feel like we've gotten better lately. Um, <laughs> but my brother and I, when we, we, it's because we love scripture so much that whenever we talk about scripture, we really be butting headed. Not because we want to be right. It's really? just, we really, we're genuine. So it's a passion. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, we, but, we we definitely disagree on a lot of things, but uh, I I would say we agree to disagree on a lot of things. Um, yeah, you know, because at the end of the day, what it comes down to is, uh, you know, that I know where I'm going. Yeah, well, if, if it's anything like the funerals I get invited to, then giving me some issues. But um, now nah, I'm I'm excited to to be here, and I, and I want to thank my brother for uh, letting me come on. Um, when he reached out to me, I was like, man, you probably asked like 20 people before you got to me, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take the W, you know what I mean? So I'm excited and I'm looking forward to bringing uh, a certain dynamic to the, to the podcast here. This might be, like I said, this might be a permanent thing. Um, I, I have to see how he behaves today, but, um, I got a schedule. Yeah, no, this is your interview. You're interviewing today. So anyways, today we are going to be talking on the topic of is the prosperity gospel biblical? Before we even touch a single verse, Mike, what's your opinion on the prosperity gospel? Oh, man, I love Joel Osteen. I love... T.D. Jakes, Kenneth Copeland. T.D. Jakes, all of them. Joyce Meyer with the gold thrones all day, every day. Uh, No, man. um, I I think just right off the top of the dome, um, it it just comes down to what you're basing the definition of prosperity on. Uh, There is biblical prosperity. And the Bible does talk about it uh, in the context of divine prosperity right not necessarily just uh earthly you know riches um you know when you align yourself with christ you know divine prosperity and earthly riches kind of coexist you know oh a hundred percent agree pushing yourself to uh the blessings that god has for your life which no blessing that god brings to your life is going to take away value it's always going to add so uh there's definitely 
uh, prosperity in the biblical sense. I just think what it comes down to is churches have taken that word and reconstructed it to fit the agenda to financially increase their churches, quote-unquote, impact communities. But then the unfortunately truth is most of the time that's not what's happening. And it's, you see, that's where you see mega church pastors flying in in helicopters, but there's poverty on the same street of the church kind of deal. Um, that uh, Yeah, yeah, just, uh, that's just a quick, quick little hip fire. Yeah, there. I agree. Um, the Bible talks about prosperity a lot. Um, my opinion is that the prosperity gospel is 100% biblical, but we have, what we get wrong is the emphasis. I feel like the people who preach prosperity gospel, they're all about wealth and health and prosperity, but they focus too much on earthly money and they push the spiritual aspect of it aside. So it's not that it's wrong, it's how they're teaching it is wrong. Yeah, um, I love it when they say, Oh no, we're we're sons and daughters of a king. We weren't meant to live in poverty. Well, you know, you kind of put God in like fourth place, but you're claiming the rights to, of a daughter and, and son of a king. But we ain't gonna talk about that. We can well, we can though because we're disruptive. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, that that's what we to. How are you gonna claim your birthright, but then you're rejecting the father who gives you the right to these inheritances? Like that don't make no sense. I'll make no sense. You want to be a trust? Isn't that what? But isn't what? Isn't that what the prodigal son did, though? Yeah, you know, he did though. He did though. He did. But you know what? Uh, but he repented. It, it, it's yeah. It's not a matter of not whether we deserve the chance or not. No one deserves anything. That's not even the point of that story, right? Uh, the point of that story is more of of. of God's love. Example of God's grace and his mercy and the fact that we don't have to earn it no matter what we do, right? Um, that That's what it comes down to. But he understood his role at the end of the day. There's people who genuinely believe that it is their right to this. It is, you're not your right to anything. It is your privilege. And it's under God's grace that you have access to these things. It's not a right. You know what I'm saying? So, Well, I would even dare to go deeper and say, it's a command. I'm going to need to bring that one down, homie. We'll get to it. So, what does, so when we hear the word gospel, we know that the word gospel is simply another word for good news, right? So what's the good news when it comes, when it comes to wealth in the Bible? Well, there's a couple verses, excuse me, <clears throat> that I wrote down here one of them is philip first one is philippians 419 and this same god who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in christ jesus proverbs 10 22 says the blessing of the lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it second corinthians 9 8 says and god will generously provide you all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others and Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and who have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along riverbanks with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they will never stop producing fruit. So the first verse, you know, we let's talk about what is the actual good news of wealth. So the first verse says, that he takes care of us and he will supply all your needs from his glorious riches. So, uh, Mikey, you said earlier that I love is that everything is connected. The, the physical wealth, earthly wealth is connected to spiritual. That's God's, that's actually God's design. Like God's design was if you speak, if you seek me spiritually, you're automatically going to receive earthly riches because they're connected. When you come to me as the source, it says that we're going to be taken care of from his riches. And not just his riches, his glorious riches. So when you hear the word glorious riches, what, com what comes to your mind? I mean, off the back, you got to think about the order. You know, the, 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 it says here that he provides all our needs from his glorious riches. 
God is always first, will always be first. Everything that is divine has to be first. But the problem is, is that we're searching earthly riches first and then hoping that the the heavenly riches come as a byproduct, right? Um, and, 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 and that's what it comes down to is you have a lot of people who have, uh, you know, you're putting in batteries and, and you're putting the you put batteries, but in the wrong direction, they fix, right? You go to put a battery into something and like, well, I, I put the batteries in there. They fit perfectly fine. This is the right kind of batteries, but the poles don't match up. So then all of a sudden you're wondering to God, oh, well, things aren't adding up, God. You know, I'm, I'm not seeing the things that you promised me. And he's like, bro, because you're not, pri you're, you're, you got the priority or, or the order far as riches and or the, the prioritization of your search i like that because what happens when you're when you have to jump a car and you put the the, the pack the like the cords for the jumper cables yeah. what happens, if you put the, what happens yeah. when you get them backwards you tow it up you know, that car is done that battery you're done you're gonna get electrocuted because you you were not connected correctly correct exactly so I think that's the key on that verse now, Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it. So before I ask you, I want to I'm going to start off with this one. And as I read this verse, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. It doesn't say the blessing of the Lord is that you're going to be rich. It says the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. That last part hit me deep because it's basically saying. Number one, when I make you rich, you're not going to regret what you did to get there. Because the world is going to offer you riches, but you're going to have to sleep with someone. You're going to have to go against your moral standards. You're going to have to sell your soul to the enemy. You're going to have to sell your soul to Hollywood. You're going to do something that you're going to regret. You're going to get the money. But attached to that money, there's going to be sorrow. God's telling you, if you do it my way, I'm going to make you rich, but there's not going to be any sorrow attached to it because you're not going to have to work for it. I'm going to give it to you. Um, yeah. Solid. I think also, I mean, because there's people out here where they do become rich financially. It has nothing to do with selling their souls. They don't get into witchcraft. They don't get into souls. They they just hustle like crazy. However, and in, in the pursuit of these worldly riches, even if it's done ethically incorrect, uh, in many cases, they lose themselves in this pursuit, right? Um, and I think it's so important that says the blessings of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. The only pursuit of riches that's going to come with zero chances of, of sorrow is the riches it's talking about in this verse, because it's not talking about platonic riches. In this case, rich, the the rich the rich the 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 context of what's making the person rich is the blessing of the Lord, and anything that's connected with God cannot bring you sorrow. So you can achieve richness on earth, but you you and you might do it ethically, and 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 I I, I think people just need to understand this. Um, good acts do not get you to heaven. That is, is I don't care what anyone does. Just, just don't. We're we're not getting into that. However, there are people who go their whole life not genuinely living for God. They never give themselves to God, but they do everything the right way. They never, you know, they're just a genuinely good person. They are blessed financially. They go their whole lives not causing any harm to anyone, just a genuine life, and they achieve this richness, and they don't have sorrow because. They never planted seeds where sorrow can come from, and they did everything the right way. And the only thing they were missing was that relationship with God. Um, it happens. Like people automatically assume that, um, you know, it, I, I might get no, back. No, 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 go. Uh, okay, there are people who do gen uh, achieve genuine happiness without God. I know that sounds crazy. Um, there, you know, at the end of the day, adding God is, it's just the final piece of truth to achieve eternal happiness. No, there's something different. They can have okay. happiness, but God gives us joy. 
Correct. There we go. And that's why the Bible doesn't use the word happy ever. It always says exactly. it mentions joy. Joy's eternal happiness is circumstantial. Um and, and there are people who are their lives and they're they don't you know, they're perfectly fine. Yeah, no, I agree. It's just the the blessing. They're happy people and they you know, they yeah. if if we look at their earthly status, you know, they have the house, they have a family. They, they, they got a good are yeah. not in jail and and it's like, you know, there's some people, like you said, that they're they're there, they're so close. And those are the ones that are gonna hurt the most. Yeah, yeah that's true. Because and, and I mean, if we're being real, it's those are gonna be the people where like all it took was one person. They were so close, but it also shows the fact that those people is gonna be sad. I mean, God's gonna always give them a chance to know who he is. Every yeah. single person in some way, shape, or form. Is going to be able to know that Jesus exists. Um, but it's going to be sad that there's people who live their whole life like that. And yes, it's free will. Yes, salvation is individual. Yes, we give a person an account to God. But if we would have tried a little bit harder as a church, we could have gone to those people. Yeah, but, you then, know? It, but then it doesn't look as pretty. When it comes to evangelism in churches, they want to go save. The ones that are so far gone, because it makes them look more spiritual. Oh my goodness! Like, oh, our church used uh, this person uh, when he came to our church was a prostitute or a, a high-ranked drug lord. So it it looks prettier. It looks, you know, like if you wanna, if you're trying to inspire the next like Angel Studios films or like Pure Flix movie, like insane about the 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 dramatics of what evangelism is and and, and how. You know how crazy it was. There are, you know, it's just on paper it doesn't look as crazy, and I feel like that's what sometimes drives the people to evangelize because they're trying to. Anyways, all right, that's gonna be for another topic because we're. Yeah. Here. See, this is why. Yeah. This is why this is gonna be a thing because there's there's some areas where we just agree to disagree, but in most areas, um, we're we're the same brain. Um. So now here's the thing, you know, we talked about the good news of the gospel and we talked about the good news of what wealth looks like. And we'll dive deeper in the future um, at some point. I'm not going to say when, so you guys don't hold me against my word. But at some point, we are going to be talking about more in-depth kingdom principles when it comes to money. But the point is, now here's the question. It's, so we, we're talking about all these riches and we've kind of already talked about it. It's where do the riches come from? The the riches that Christ is talking about, where do those riches come from? Um, and the answer is, we already answered is they come from God. So if we want to obtain the correct riches, if we want to obtain the riches like Mikey, like you said, it's in that proverb, it's not talking about earthly riches, it's talking about spiritual riches. So what do I have to do to get to those riches? Well, you have to go to the person who owns the money. So if I have Chase Bank and I want to access my money without a fee, I have to go to an ATM that's associated with Chase. If I try to get my Chase money at a Bank of America ATM, I have to pay a fee because according to the world, in the banking world, Bank of America does not have my money. So I put my money in chains, but I'm telling Bank of America's ATM to give me my money, even though I don't bank with them. So there's a fee. So if we want to access God's riches, where do we have to go to? Bro, you know what's crazy? That just goes to show you that you can go to the world, and there will be moments that the world gives you technically what you're needing. But it always going to be price. You're going to the wrong ATM, boy. Which is why the verse said he will not attach sorrow because you will, exactly you're going to the wrong source. You can still get it, and then be like, "Yo, that was God." You see, look, I was able to get it. Oh no, you got it, but that was not. It was from the wrong source, and now there's going to be a fee coming, and you're done. Yep. And then when you don't have enough to cover and you're overdrafted, we'll go there. Point is, you to be overdrafted. Uh, emotionally and spiritually, because then you position yourself at a point where you realize, all right, God, take over, because I'm I'm, all, I'm talking now. But anyways, but. so First Timothy six ten and eleven says, "For the love of money is the root of all evil, 
and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things, pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And then Hebrews 13, 5 says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you or I will never abandon you. And then Luke 12, 15 says, then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. So now we're going on this back and forth where Christ is saying, I'm going to give you guys from my glorious riches. But then he's saying, don't love money. Don't seek money. Don't pursue money. Be satisfied with what you have. But I feel like one of the biggest keys is, number one, what is Paul telling Timothy to pursue? Righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And then Hebrews says the same message, but here he's saying that God is telling you, I will never fail you. So this is a combination of where is the source of your riches? What do you consider riches? Do you consider what's on earth your riches or do you consider what's in heaven your riches? And it's a faith thing because if you believe that God will never fail you, then you should never be obsessed with money because you know that you don't own the bank. God owns the bank. And he'll make a deposit when you need it. What's your I mean, opinion on that? He, he, even so, if, if you study the, the stories of the disciples and their path and how it all got started, uh, I believe it's in, in, you know, obviously you have the four different accounts. Uh, but I think it was either Mark or John. Um, Jesus specifically told the disciples, when you go on these escapades, do not bring money with you. Do not ask, and it specifically told them, do not ask for money when you get to the destinations I send you to. Everything will be provided. But then it also says... That's what he's sending two by two. Yes. And then he said, but he also said, do not reject any money donated or given to you. So it's like, I'm telling you, number one, go with no money. Don't and he said, don't reject any food they gave you. So he was breaking the barriers of what is sin and what can we eat. He was breaking that barriers. But you in the context whatever's of, given to you. Correct. In the context of what we're talking about, I think, you know, you can have to be like, you know, I, I don't have enough. But if you're telling me to go, go. Uh, even though sometimes I swear, like, Jesus be talking about uh, faith in regards to finances. Like, he and he, like... You can tell he never got a call from a debt collector from like these uh, Oriental people talking about, oh, this is uh, an attempt to like, bro. He he don't know what that feels like, man. Like he be yeah, talking. he did because he paid a debt for something he didn't cause. Yo, when when you over here getting calls from Metro PCS collections, you know you on a whole loan, bro. Like like this this world is crazy, and sometimes people are like, man, if Jesus really cared. Uh, you know, he'd be providing. Why am I in this place, man? Because he told you, stop worrying about the money and just have faith with him. And that's all you're doing is worrying about the money. I I, I include myself. My brother knows, you know, I'm, I'm going through a season and it's so hard Me too. Me too. Uh, to, to relinquish uh, without an agenda. So hard. Life. Um, it is what it is. It's not an ego thing. It's just humans and the concept of letting go control of their lives and the concept of waiting just drives us crazy it uh, just we're just incapable of it it's just it's detrimental to our mental health i feel like we we're dramatic uh, but that's what it comes down to it's just a genuine belief when god says i got you and also don't deny any blessings that come your way just do it you know what I'm saying? Like, don't don't let your ego get in your way and feel like, oh, I'm always a charity case. Who cares? The disciples were charity cases with their whole ministry with Jesus. They weren't working. Like, they, they had to receive whatever help they received every time they got to. Imagine if they would have been like, no, 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 we're good. Jesus got it. No, we're good. We're walking with Jesus. He'll figure it out. And Jesus was like, dude, I, what, what's doing? Like, I, were, I already started working with the hearts. And, and and the things I'm doing is to soften the hearts of these people before we get to these places. The word is spreading, and now you're undoing what, like, you just ruined it. Good job. Imagine if that would have happened every single time someone wanted to give something to Jesus. And then, now nah, we're good. We're good. We got it. We got it. That's crazy. Yeah. 
it's like you said, I mean, we're, we're breaking down the, the walls of prosperity gospel. Yes, we understand that it's been perverted. Like I said, you know, unfortunately, the enemy, we know that in the, in the last days, we're going to be um, experiencing a grand deception, the Bible says. So things, and they're going to be presented so close to the truth. Like I've said in prior, in prior uh, episodes, the devil's not going to try to go crazy. I mean, the... And here's the thing. I mean, you can see clear as day when we have these like concerts and you can see how the devil's obviously just blatantly out here. That's for the weak minded people because they're global and they can just get them like that. For the ones who are a little bit harder, he's going to make you look so close to the truth that you really have to be on discernment in order to know that it's a lie. So, yes, the Bible wants us to prosper. I am of the opinion and my brother agrees. We're not supposed to be broke. So if as, if we're going to claim, like he said in the beginning, if we're going to claim the title of a child of God, and you're going to use... What happened? If, if we're going to claim the inheritance as being children of God. Correct. So here's the thing. I can know myself as a child of God, and I can claim that I know God as my father, but if he doesn't know me as his son, there's going to be an issue. So if you're going to claim that title, you better make sure that your spiritual life matches the title that you're claiming. I'll give you an example, too. You know, and, and it, it, all, it all comes down to who the, uh, the author of what you're trying to obtain, right? If you look at AI right now, you can go on AI and type in, hey, make me a picture of this, this, and that. Then you can go have an artist who paints a picture of that very same thing. And they can essentially look to the T, but there's one that was uh, artificially in, uh, generated, and there was one that an artist had to take the time, put in the sweat, the hours, the technique, the painting to build. Like this is custom. I am making this with, with with care, with value, right? The same thing. There's gonna be a lot of things that the Earth offers. That technically look like what God is saying he offers us to. But only one of them was genuinely created by the owner and the author of everything that exists. And if you don't pay attention. What's the key to knowing whether who's the author? I mean, we're talking about watermarks, which Jesus's blood is the watermark. But I don't know. I, I, I'm just hip well, fire. Well, well, all right, check this here? out. It's okay. I'm being presented an opportunity. How did I get to this conversation? What route did I take to get here? Because if I put in an address to go to my house, and you know, I, I know my route, but I, I'm going. Any, I'm going to put on my GPS. If I'm following the GPS, and the GPS is taking me down roads that I've never taken before. Even though the GPS is saying it's taking me to my house, I know my house. I know the route to get this. I'm like, you can tell me one thing, but I've walked down the road so many times, I can tell you for a fact, this is not the road to my home. So that's why you have to look, what path did I take to get here? Because if it's not pursuing the kingdom, if this doesn't benefit God in some way, shape, or form, because God's not always going to reveal to you the kingdom purpose behind it. Sometimes he'll he'll tell you first the kingdom and then he'll show you the physical wealth. There will be times where he's just going to put money in your lap. And after he'll tell you, hey, the reason why I did that is for you to use it for my kingdom. He decides what order he presents it to you. And I lived that right now in my church where a lady was donating money to my church. With that, and she never told me. She just did it. So I was receiving money, but I didn't know what the purpose was until a few weeks ago. When we have to fall. So there will be times that, yes, God is just going to put money in your lap. And like you said, don't fight it. Don't bite the hand that's feeding you. I, I, I felt it in the spirit. Like, yes, it's God ordained. I just didn't know why. But the way you discern is, and how do I know if this is from the author of heaven? It's like, just think outside the box and like, Lord, does this benefit you in any way? You know, is this coming from you? And you just have to straight up talk to God. Um, so now here's the thing, like I said, we go back and forth and we're, we're destroying this 
unbiblical preaching of the prosperity gospel, but what are some of the characteristics of the wrong prosperity gospel? Number one, if there is only, if, when there's selective scriptural interpretation, I read you off the pack four verses that talk about wealth. I read you a couple verses, and there's a lot more. I'm just not going to be here for 10 hours because there's a million verses. But if someone, you ask them a question and they just give you one verse, it's like, okay, well, what else does the Bible say? And they don't know. That's already giving you a sign that they're just picking, cherry picking verses without applying context to the verse, without reading the backstory of the verse what was going on in that specific church. If we're talking about the Pauline letters, why was Paul saying that to that specific church? So what's your opinion on that about when people picking and choosing, cherry picking? We're Pentecostal, so we know a little bit about people cherry picking verses. I'm going to get in trouble for that, but go ahead. It is what it is. It's the facts. Um, you know, it, it's definitely something that we see so many times, right? You know, uh, people decontextualizing verses to fit the agenda or the point they're trying to prove. Um, then you do have times where they're technically uh, they're they're using the verse in the right context but the interpretation is off. Because the context itself, the Bible was written in the only context that it should have been written on. It's just one context. The the issue comes to how people are interpreting things and where they're trying to interpret a spiritually inspired book logically, now all of a sudden you're applying logical, human logic to spiritual principles. And that's an issue. Like, I've had so many conversations uh, with agree. people. Uh, so many conversations with people when they're like, no, I get that God says that, but man, you gotta be real. I'm like, bro, you're literally, you're. that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Like, common sense does have a place. Does. I get one hundred percent. You know, it does have a place in uh, in understanding God's word and in knowing how to have the Spirit give you the discernment to interpret these things and what the Bible is trying to say. Yes, I I genuinely believe that. However, you the the issue comes down to when you're prioritizing common sense and human logic as the instrument that you're using to interpret what the Bible's trying to tell you. That's what leads to uh, confusion. That's what leads to misunderstanding. And then that's what leads to these people who overanalyze the scripture because they're scholars and, 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 and they, it's such, I, I know a few people that interpret it that way. And, and uh, no, 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 there's, there's others, but I've just learned. There's others. That means I'm part of the list. Yeah. You're part of the list, but you've been blacklisted, homie. But, um, you know, and I used to go at it all day, and I would take it so personal, but bro, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna slap you. Like, you're annoying me. Um, like, get away from me saying, like, you're over here, Jehovah's Witness. Um, but, but then I learned, I'm like, man, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, stay away from foolish conversations, and yes, it is. Unfortunately, there's there can be moments where even having a biblical discussion ends up being a foolish conversation, because it's like, okay, what is what are we taking out of this conversation? Because honestly, it's just leading to an argument, and now it's affecting personal relationships, and now bonds are broken. You know, it's the devil can use the Bible to create disruption. You know, and if people don't have the discernment to realize where the voices are coming from, so yeah. Uh, so, and so. with prosperity gospel, it's such a dangerous area for that to happen because we're talking about people's finances. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I said, I wrote here that the first mistake is selective scriptural interpretation. The second mistake is materialism and greed. It's like you said, who's the author? What voice are guiding that interpretation? Because the Holy Spirit is the author of the word. It inspired all the writers to write what they wrote. Yeah. So it's like the other but day. Answers too, man. Correct. But here's the thing. I was talking to my cousin today. And it's like. Growing up in high school and college, you know, we would go, we would have these liberal arts classes and we would, you know, and my brother took AP Lit in high school. The point is we would study all these stories and we always had this question. What do you think the author was trying to say? 
and we would give our opinions of what we thought the author was trying to say. But at the end of the day, the only one that can actually answer that question was the author. Because he's the one that wrote the book. But so we all read the same thing, but it's 32 interpretations. Correct. So this is where what you said is so crucial. It's what voice am I going to to ask for its interpretation? Because the only spirit that should be guiding me in my interpretation is the Holy Spirit. Because he's the one that wrote it. But now we're talking about materialism and greed. And when we preach the prosperity gospel from it with a heart of materialism and greed, we start doing things to obtain money that we should never do. And one of the things that, you know, we have people like Dave Ramsey talk about debt. And some people think that he's over the top. Some people say, ah, oh, and there's a lot of different, some people say debt is good if you use it correctly. And there's a million different interpretations. But what does the Bible say about it? Proverbs 22, 7, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is to serve it to the lender. Romans 13, 8, if owe nothing to anyone, Except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. So it's, you shouldn't owe anyone anything. Yeah, but cost of living back in the day was stupid cheap. Like, you was able to buy a, a thing of bread for like two cents. Yeah, no, that's one no, thing. But what, no, I, like I said, and this is where, like I said, you may have some people that take literal and I, oh my gosh, if you want a credit card, you're going to hell. I do. Nah, bro. No, I'm saying we, we got to play both sides because there will be people that will say, oh, if you have a credit card, you're in sin. No, bro, I got credit cards, and it's helped me in a lot of medical situations where I just didn't have the money, but I'm also diligent to pay that back, and there's never been an issue. For me, it helped me get my PS5. <laughs> but here's the no, but but the spirit, like I said, you know, we were, it's it's not focusing if what the point of this episode is to teach that we're not, we can't focus on the earthly, what is the spiritual message behind what Paul is saying? It's don't go to anyone except for God for anything that you need. Don't have so little faith that you decided to go and take out a loan and owe man when you didn't even go to God first and ask him to be your provider. You didn't ask God for him to solve your situation. You didn't go to him and ask him, hey, is there something that I'm doing that's causing this tri spell? Or is this just a test of my faith and I just got to keep on walking? We didn't have those conversations. Oh my gosh, I need money and now you owe. That's what Paul is saying. This is not a physical, it's more of, let me. you're showing where your faith is by going to man and getting in debt without coming to me first. Now, if I go to God and I trust in him, but there's a bill that needs to be paid at that moment, if I have a credit card and that's going to be my source for that moment, I'm going to swipe that card. But I also believe that in some way, shape, or form, God is going to provide the money for me to pay off what I just spent. And now it's my decision of, am I going to actually go and pay off what I used on the credit card? Or am I going to use that money that God gave me to pay off the credit card that I used and then get into more debt? That's the issue. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to dive too much into overemphasis of wealth because we already discussed on that. But one thing that is the biggest thing is manipulation and fear tactics. Tell me. And th this is like this is the meat and potatoes of this. It's how these preachers are using fear and manipulation to get people to tithe into offering more. Bro, I saw this video today and initially I was dying. I was like, yo, these people wilding. But there's these pastors in India that yo, they doing too much. They literally, you see a, a clip and they leave the church and they have a whole like, a whole row of like, blacked out cars that transport them from the church to their house. Man. And they don't open any doors. They just they will literally sit there and wait for the door to be opened. When they get there, they open the doors for them. They don't they open the person goes and opens the door to their own home for them to walk in. Like like and they're in their hijabs or whatever the freak the Indian thing is. And I was dying because I'm like, bro, Jesus literally washed feet. Y'all can't like, even open his whole freaking door, bro. Like y'all, y'all is crazy and and he rode in on a donkey. Bro, this these I'm like, yo, these are Indian Joel Osteens, bro. Like they they took they I just like the bro, when I tell you, I'm like, yo, it look 
the way they were being treated, like, no, one of y'all just became the president of India. Y'all won an election or something. Ain't no way y'all got all this security detail after Sunday service to go home. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. Like, Bro, I like, saw a video today of a pastor in Oklahoma who called his congregation broke, disgusting, and vile because they didn't get him a watch that he had asked for. That man came out saying, am I not worth a watch? Am I not worth this? And am I not worth the Gucci? I'm like, bro, God's grace is on an all-time high because back in the day, that nigga, that man would have been smoked. Oh my yeah, God. Like, I, man, we didn't get I, you I that watch. I would have been like, we didn't get you that watch because it's time for you to find out, my guy. Get it? I knew I was gonna get in trouble with this kid because a word almost came out. I'm from my we're from We're from Miami, guys. We're super hood. I've gotten a lot better at hiding my hoodness. Mikey doesn't even You're not there, bro. You an old man. You old man Jenkins. Yeah, Mikey doesn't even try to hide it. It's just but it, it's but it, it was like I said, manipulation. It was this pastor was literally bashing his trash. Crazy. Literally saying, y'all broke. And I know y'all broke. And and then he said, the reason why you guys are not broke is because you're not taking care of the shepherd. Bro, you uh, you, you you sound like you're trying to attend to Teslas instead of sheep. Like, what bro, is this? Bro, I was shook when I saw this. That one hit me because I'm a pastor and I'm sitting here. I don't even get a salary. He's like, you picked the wrong church. For real. I'm just kidding. Oh, no, it's a joke. I love my church. But the point is, the point is, it's when people ask me all the time, too, and that's a whole other topic, it's pastor's salary, and they ask me, how come you don't get money from the church? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. The church is not in the financial position to pay me a salary. So I make plenty of money with State Farm where I work. So... If I don't need it, I'm going to leave it there. But best believe that in the name of Jesus, once my church continues to grow and we get to a point where it's like, okay, I can become a full-time employee of the church, the Bible does say that the worker is worthy of their salary. But I'm going to let God determine that time. I'm not going to ask the church for a penny. I'm not going to make the decision. It's he will guide me, and then he will put it in the heart of the leadership of the church. That's my opinion of how it should go. Yeah, yeah, but unfortunately, pastors just see checks because they think pastors out here overdrawing the church accounts for their salary. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. They overdrawing their church accounts, their church credit score, their their business. That I'm from. Yo, the lights are turning off mid service because the light bill wasn't big paid, but they got their salary though. That's crazy. And they don't live with their priests. They want to talk about, oh, giving, giving, giving. But then these pastors receive. But let's check the, the treasury records. When was the last time the pastor gave, pastor gave his tithing? I, I forgot. Oh, I forgot, I forgot where I saw it. But I, I cannot, bro, I swear to you, I cannot make this up. I remember seeing a video once where the pastor gets to church every Sunday on a helicopter. I'm like, bro, nah. where you coming from? Noah's Ark, get out of here, man. You, you could have just drove your 1999 Ford Fusion over here, bro. Like, you're doing too much. Nah, man. So here, this is we're gonna start closing up here. Ah, I've had so much fun. This this has to continue. I think this is a vibe right now. We'll so we'll, we'll talk about my salary. I'll have my. I'll have my guy call your guy. Uh, my guy ain't picking up the phone unless I see some dollar signs on. Oh my goodness, goodness. I hate you. Yeah, it's all good. Jesus loves me. Debatable. But anyways, so at the end of the day, it's am I supposed to be rich or am I supposed to be poor? I can tell you the answer. You're not supposed to be poor. That is something that needs to... We were raised as old school Pentecostal kids that the poorer you were on earth, the more highly favored you are. Yeah, John the Baptist ate cricket, so we supposed to be out here eating crickets and rags. That's all. That's how you get there. That's that's, that's, that's play right there. Yeah, but now it's like, 
as I get deeper into the study of the kingdom, and I, oh man, I got some topics. I got contract law in the kingdom, kingdom contract law, kingdom finances. God owns the bank, and it, it works completely different. But the point is, no, we're not supposed to be poor. Now, there's, you know, you hear the words in the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit. That poor is not talking about money. That's talking about, I gave up everything to follow you. When it says, blessed are the pure, uh, poor in spirit, for they shall see God, that's not talking about money. That's saying, I gave up everything to follow you. I gave up everything to seek the presence of your spirit. That's what that's referencing. So no, we're not supposed to be poor. But we just simply need to learn that when we talk about prosperity, we cannot put emphasis on earthly wealth. That's all it is. It really... The difference between prosperity gospel the wrong way and the right way is just like you said earlier, Mike. It's just the order. It's I want to seek my spiritual blessings first. And then when I seek my spiritual blessings, then all those promises are just going to turn on because I did it in the correct order, right? You watched. So check this out. If Jesus was emphasizing material wealth when he talked about riches, then Proverbs 21-20 20, has an issue. Proverbs 21-20 says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. So according to that scripture, if you spend your money, you're foolish. And the wise have luxury and wealth. So whenever the Bible says something that a fool does, our understanding should be we should do the opposite of what the foolish man does. So if the foolish man is foolish for spending the money they have, then what do we have to do to be considered wise? What would be the natural response? I mean, the natural logical response is to not spend money, but it's interesting because it says the foolish spends money. But how does a how do you how how do you have wealth and luxury without spending anything? I think it comes down to how you define wealth and luxury. Man, humanly speaking, if someone has a mansion, they got a yacht, they got nice things. Oh, you know, they're 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 wealthy. They got a luxurious lifestyle. But you can't get to that social status unless you spend money. So is it really is the issue really spending or is it what you're spending on? Because the definition of wisdom is just the things you've learned. Uh, I actually I got it right here. The quality of having experienced knowledge and a good judgment, quality of being wise, or then it says also the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. So I don't think spending's the issue. Because you do have people who are financially smart with the money, but they also spend a lot of money. But they spend it knowing that their personal finances are not jeopardized and everything needs to be in this just disposable income that they enjoy spending on whatever, whether it's travel, shoes, food, whatever the case is. Um, you know. So but, what you're saying is that if if it's like, okay, if I'm, I got $10 million and I spent a million dollars to most of the world, oh my gosh, she spent a million dollars. That's a lot of money. Okay, but in comparison to what I have stored up, it's not a lot. Yeah. I mean, this verse is connected to a lot of verses. There's yeah. other verses talking about how you steward money and all that. that. That's exactly where I was. So my, and it, this is where I, I, the idea of having my brother, I'm falling in love with it more and more is because, um, number one, I feel like in our personal relationship as twins, we need to learn how to hear each other better. I I will be the first one to admit. I feel like this is putting me on the spot to be able to do that. And I love your point, but the way I, my interpretation is, if the Bible says that a fool spends whatever they get, if the wise, if the foolish man spends, that means that a wise man is considered wise because he stores his money, which leads me to Matthew 19, where he says, "Don't store up treasures here on earth." where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in. 
So there's two two things I get from that verse. Number one, again, it's the order. It's just the order of the of priority. It's I'm gonna seek the kingdom first, but then my earthly paycheck will follow because I'm be I'm being obedient to the word of God. But the idea of storing in heaven. So whenever we make money, right? This goes back to the to the analogy of a bank, how banks work. When I choose to bank with a certain bank, I'm saying I'm going to store my wealth with you. And whenever I need access to my wealth, I expect that when I go to withdraw money from my account, you guys are able to fulfill your end of the bargain. And now, on earth. But it's also where it's important where you deposit it because depending on where your money, it depends on what interest you're getting. There's some mutual law and put it into a mutual fund, you're going to get 10 to 12% in turn. You go to a regular bank, you're getting 0.035%. So are you storing your money or your riches or are you storing anything? Just life. Where you storing it is going to depend what your return is as well. You give it to God and, and you got unlimited ROI for the rest of your life. That's exactly where I was headed to, which is where the parable of the town is coming, where the the owner, the guy who gave the money, he's he got mad at the guy, the third guy that he gave one talent to, and he put it in the ground and didn't do anything with it. And then the owner got mad. He said, bro, I gave you this money for you to multiply, and you're giving it right back. You didn't give me interest. So there's a couple of teachings there. There's one is when God gives you talents, he expects you to use it for his benefit. Um, but it also proves that kingdom finance is all about multiplication. And in order for it to be multiplied, like you just said, it's everything determines on where am I investing my money? Who am I trusting my money with? If I trust my money with the owner of all the gold and money of the world, then I know that my ROI is going to be crazy because there's no SEC, there's no governing authority that's going to tell God what he can do with my finances. Talk to me, Mikey. I know that, that that's I know this is hard to talk about because we're both struggling financially right now, but in the name of Jesus, I know heaven's bank. The bank of heaven is working on my behalf. Nah, I'm I'm just reading. Hold on, divine. Okay, you read the book. It says on on six twenty four, a couple of verses after the one you just read, it says no one can serve two masters. Either you mm -hmm. will hate the one or love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Um. Which is why I, I think that it comes down to, I'm going to be real for, uh, for to the old, you know, my brother, this was a, a, a last minute thing. I, I didn't get a chance to prepare or, or dig deep onto his topic. So I'm not, I'm not going to say anything because I'm one, I'm learning not to just say things off what makes sense. I, I got to make sure that what I'm saying is actually biblical. And it's but like, express your opinion so that way we can go to the word together about it. Even not, even if it's not on the episode, it, it's I got saying it because other people might have the same question. All right, so going back because it says the wise have wealth and luxury, but the fool spend whatever they have. Then Matthew nineteen and verse nineteen says, "Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys, and where thieves break and steal. Store your treasures in heaven." So I think what it comes down to when it says in in, in verse nineteen, where it says the or the verse. 2120, the, the wives the wife have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they have. Are they talking about money at that point only? Because if you, you can't say, because it's saying here, don't store up treasures on earth where moths eat them and trust destroys or rust destroys. Store your treasures in heaven. So, so in order for you to store treasures, that's already implying that you have treasure in your hand already. Correct. But, but, Treasures is not only defined as money itself. Correct. That's that's what we've been. That's the whole theme of today's episode. It's yeah. people read that and they think dollar dollar bills, and or, or lack of the the no. Well, even Matthew six twenty one, like you just said, before you give someone your heart, oh uh, no, it's Matthew six twenty for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you're emphasizing cash money over everything, then you're really not 
looking for God's riches. You're looking for money. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. So really what the biblical prosperity gospel comes down to is in the times when you don't got money, do you believe that there's still riches for you? If mm. your bank account doesn't reflect that you're rich, but you believe that spiritually you are rich, that's prosperity gospel. Yeah, no, it also comes down to just one first. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything and else. Everything will be else will be added. That's it. That's the answer. So when we teach prosperity, not first. If you're seeking the kingdom of God first, your bank account could show negative six hundred seventy-eight dollars. Is that but, what yours says right now? Nah, we good. I was just checking it. Hey, you know we 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 out of the red, but we, but we getting there. We getting there. Uh, yeah. Nah, but yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm chilling. Yeah, so I think that's I think that's a good mic drop there. Number one, it's it's almost midnight, and I gotta work in the morning. I still gotta iron clothes because I'm going to a church camp. Um, where I'm gonna so me and my brother we live separated, unfortunately. Um, that's been the hardest part of my move to come up here and pastor this church. Is I have spent my entire life close, usually between fifteen to thirty minutes drive with my brother an hour eight to nine hours away. That's brutal. So uh, I'm excited that in a few days, in two days, I'll be with him. But uh, I think that this this is a vibe, Mike. I think this has to be a thing. Oh, yeah, it works. Yeah, it works. I'll have my people call your people. But thank you so much. Um, like I said, I'm not going to say thank you for being a guest because I really feel like we're going to do a lot more episodes together. Uh, for my listeners, let me know what you think. I know, like I told them on the last episode, I know you haven't heard it yet, but in the last episode, I told them that they're going to call me a schizophrenic because they're going to hear two people who sound the same. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, man. It's, it's been crazy last couple weeks. So I got to catch up on like the last two or three. Uh, but I promise you, I, it's just been crazy, man. What a turncoat. Oh, man. What the hell is that? Study history, man. You trained. You're thinking of red coat. You're thinking of red coat. No, no, no. Turncoat. A turncoat means they switch. They switch teams. They turn the coat. Oh, like never mind. That's it. Listen. We got a lot of turncoats in this generation. They pushing it down on us. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. Turncoats got a whole month. Uh, the got a whole month every year in June. Um, get canceled. Yeah, we are. We are. Okay. Well, I'm gonna have Mikey lead us in prayer. Pray for my for me. I'm battling this cough for almost two weeks. Every time you hear like a little mute, it's because I'm coughing my liver out, and I don't want it to be coughing into the mic. Um, no pun intended, because I'm not coughing into mic. Hey, anyways, that was a horrible. Chill out. Chill out. Chill out. That it's late. It's late. But um, let's get this going because this is a fire episode. I I enjoy talking, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Comment, share, like, and subscribe. Check out the link tree so you can follow us on all our social platforms. Um, and since we're talking about prosperity gospel, my Venmo and PayPal is on there. If you guys want to send a donation, I will not deny the request to receive the money. So is that too soon. Mike, lead us in prayer, bro. Yeah, we go, yeah. All right. Dear dear God, we just want to thank you for this, for this privilege you've given us to be able to, Lord, just be in a position where, you know, we don't have to travel across the world to reach souls there. We can literally just open up a laptop and plug in a mic and, and be able to reach souls across the world in the convenience of our own home, God. And, you know, maybe, maybe a lot of people attempt to do same thing or do the same thing but they genuinely just don't understand what a privilege it is and what a blessing that is so we thank you for that and i pray god that you just continue to reveal yourself through these episodes god and and that you know you continue to position uh us as the instruments of your word uh and to continue giving us the discernment and the understanding to genuinely interpret and understand the words that you're giving to us so there's no space for confusion there's no space for doubt god and everything we do is just edifying God and, and, and you know, 
constructed for a purpose to continue building uh, the purpose that you're trying to together for this podcast. And we just thank you, Lord, and, and continue to declare everything in your name and everything we do in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, that's it for today. Thank you guys for tuning in. Mikey, Yo. I will, I'll see you in a few days. In two days, my guy. All right, but I'll send you my cash up. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, until next time, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to tell you guys what we're going to talk about on Monday. You'll know when the episode drops. Um, surprise! God bless you guys. I love and it. thank you for tuning in on to the Disruptive Doctrine Podcast. Peace. <laughs>